you're new here, you have a child of any age, we can send them to the back. Praise God. I want to thank God for my friend, my dear friend, Pastor Rick Vargas. He came from New York. He's, um, he's passing through. He's family of Eunice and the Velasquez family. They rode deep. Amen. And we thank God for he's here with his fiance and their family. We just thank God for them. Amen. I'm really excited about what God has for you today. Amen. I'm really, really excited about what the Lord has. And I believe that, um, that God's doing a new thing in so many ways. Amen. As the kids make their way. Let's just bow our heads right now. Let's just try and focus on the Lord right now. Let's just say, you know what, God, I want you to take over. I don't care why you came. I just know that you need to have God take over. All we know right now is that God needs to be the supreme source of attention in your life right at this very moment. I want you just to close your eyes and say, you know what, God, I didn't come here to feel good. I came here to be sewed into. I didn't come here because I was down and needed someone to give me a pep talk. I came here because I want to live a righteous lifestyle. I came here because I want to be a world changer. I came here because I want to experience you like I would want to experience the one I love the most, which happens to be you, God. And so, Father, I ask you now that you would open my heart deep so the word of God can pierce through me. And I ask you, Lord, that your, your will, your perfect will, will begin to manifest in my life. Can anybody come in agreement with that right now? Come on, just shout amen. amen. I want to talk to you for the next probably, probably the next seven to eight weeks on a topic just, I want to talk about God's fearless love. God's fearless love in your life. I recall a time in my adolescent years, in my uh, teen years, my troubled teen years, that I was with my brother, I was with Lori, uh, I was with Daniel, the guitar player, I was with a friend named Terrell, and a couple of other friends in a different car. Oh, he's here, Dave, you were there with me, bro. Dave was there, and we went to go play Cusar. Now, I was poor and deprived as a child. I had never gone to Smiles Entertainment and played Cusar. It was way too expensive. All I could afford was a couple of coins in some machines. We had never gone Cusar, and the hand of God was on me that night because we got in free. If you get in somewhere free, you're supposed to pay. That's not God. That's somebody robbing the owner, FYI. So, God bless me. No, pay for that movie. Um, I'll leave it alone. Christians are crazy. They gave me extra change in the bank. Yes. No, no. And so we went over there, and uh, our friend let us in for free. He blessed us. And so... You know, what happened was we went in there, and I ended up on a separate team than my brother did. I'm not sure if one of my other cousins were with me on a team, but we were playing Cusard. All My side of the story is this. This is me. That when they came back over, you know, every, every few minutes you come back to your sides to start over a new round. Anybody play Cusard? Laser tag? Anybody here? Before your time, Pastor Carmen. This is after skate time. So, <laughs> so... What happened was, one of the guys came back, and he said, one of the guys on the other team is cheating. He's covering his vest. And the guy was really fired up about it. I mean, this guy was fired up. I'm like, what does he look like? And he, he described my brother. He was like, oh, I'm going to fight that guy. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm telling you, we got a lot of people here. You don't want to do that. I'm going to throw it out there. Don't do it. We have like two friends. We have like eight. Don't do it. It's going to be bad no matter how you do it. He didn't listen. So... 
Uh, next thing I know, I'm playing laser tag. I'm scoping people, just running around, just doing me, scoring mad points, being awesome as I am. And uh, I just and so I'm there, and I hear I hear the unmistakable voice of Lori. And I just heard her saying, shouting, or screaming something. And I'm like, oh God, it's going down. And so we all start converging on the yelling. And uh, and there's just like there was no no blows thrown, but it's about to get physical. And uh, people from the outside must have seen it on camera. The guy, our friend, he came in, broke us up. Long story short, they kick us out of the place. I don't know why. So they kicked us out. We went out one exit, and the other people had left before us and went out the other exit. Now, as we were leaving, they were coming back in the exit that we were leaving out of. And they had, guess, I had, they had gone outside and smoked a cigarette. But his cigarette was pretty much done. And I remember it was Lori here, and I was the last one out the door. And the rest of us were in front. And this dude done turned around and flicked his cigarette at Lori's hair. Now, pause. This is before, like, you know, the time of, like, matte oil sheen type of thing. Look. This was, like, high hairspray day. Flammable rave. Swab. Dollar. White rain. Whatever you use. Those days. These are the days where her head would have lit up like a Christmas tree. She would have been bald. I was like... No, you did not. Now, mind you, truth be told, back then, me and Lori didn't even like each other. But when you're rolling with people you don't like, who are close to your family, and someone messes with them, all bets are off. You're going to defend them. I think I just want an excuse to be rowdy or something. So my brother, he hears me. He hears Lori. She tells him, Ruben, he just... And that was all we needed. At that point, me and Ruben, not mind you, the guy's here, Lori's here, there's a Milford cop right there. I'm here. And that happened, and the cop didn't do anything, and I was flooded with righteous anger. I looked at that cop, and I said so many things to him that I could never repeat ever again. Let me tell you something, Lori was, don't let her fool you, she is a thug. We were rowdy, we were about to set it off on that cop. I told the cop I was going to kill him. I'm not even kidding. That's done yet, he was just like, oh no, he, and then I left, and I had my big heavy ghetto Sherlin coat on, and I took it off. I walked back, I'm like, F this guy, it's going down, I don't care if he's a cop, he's a racist pig, I'm going to punch him. They're like, no, no, no. And then we go back, I want your badge number. And I called him every name in the book. When I went to court, they had like seven pages of what I had said to this cop. Which I think was garbage, because how could you remember that much stuff? I'm not saying I didn't say it, but how could you remember that much? So after like 15 minutes, maybe, maybe less, because it felt like an hour of it just getting rowdy. You know, we wanted just to beat this guy up. Me and my brother were like, finally, we're going to leave. We get in the car because the cop told us to leave like three, four times times four for like 20, whatever. So like, he's like, leave, we ain't leaving. Now, would you believe that once we ended up doing what he told us to do, all of Milford PD just roll up, guns drawn, like, get out of the vehicle! That's how you know when you're in a, in a white town. Get out of the vehicle! I don't know what that is! The car! Okay! And so I'm sitting there, and the guy, 
One of the cops was dumb because, God forgive me, he was not the smartest tool in the box. Because Ruben, for some reason, had the child safety locks. Remember that at the end? And the cop, you know how cops are. They're just like, you know, they're really big and bad behind their badges. So he takes, he's trying to, I think he tried kicking in the window or something. He was like, doom, rejected. Like, open the car. Open the car. Like, he got all rowdy trying to kick in my window. And when he couldn't, it was open the car. And Daniel's inside, like, I'm in the middle. Daniel's here. My friend Terrell's there. I'm stuck in the middle. I'm like, oh, yeah, get me out of this car. It's going to be awesome. And then Ruben's just like, like, oh, my God. Daniel's like, this child's safety lock on. It's, no, don't, don't break the window. Child's safety lock on. So finally, the cop just, you know, opened the door. Like, the door was open. He didn't even try. They just go rowdy from point A. And uh, they, they yanked my brother out of the car, and they really angered me the way they yanked him out because they threw him on the ground real hard. And so I was all fired up. And Daniel, he got the car like this, you know, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then my other friends were like, no, 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 this is not happening right. I was in the middle, rowdy. Just, I was for no Lori got me so hyped up, yo. I am telling you, I was so rowdy. Like, I've never seen Lori go ham like that. Like, she would have gave the cop a head up. Like, Lori was just like, raw. like, yes, go, Lori. And so, and so, true story, I, I kid you not. And so I'm up there, and I'm like, I'm like wrestling with these cops. Like, we weren't throwing blows, but I'm just wrestling with these cops. And it was like four, probably three or four cops and trying to throw me down, and finally somebody came behind me or something. I think Ruben told me to drop or something like that, just give up. And so they put me in the ground, like, kind of smashed my head into the gravel, and I had, like, a bruise from here to here. So we go to the, we hop in the police car, and, uh, and uh, oh, but they threw me in the police car. <laughs> I didn't hop in. And so I'm in the cop car. Me and my brother got arrested. The other guys were all quiet, so nothing happened to them. And so Lori got off. Um, and so me and bro- my brother were, were getting, like, you know, booked, whatever. Uh, I guess I didn't know, unbeknownst to me, Lori was upstairs in the booking department setting it off, from what I understand. She was like, I want them out now. No, 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 you guys are wrong. And so, like, me and Ruben are downstairs giving them a hard time. I can't say the stuff Ruben was saying, but it was hilarious, but I can't say it here. Um, and we're sitting there just laughing at these cops, like, whatever, my dad's going to come, and y'all going to get it. <laughs> Which wasn't really true, because I was scared that I was going to get it. <laughs> I was like 16, I was 17, I was going to get it. Like, my dad was going to come and punch me square in the face in front of the cops, and then throw me back in the cell. My dad always told me, if you get arrested, don't call me. Anybody ever had that happen? And so, I'm going somewhere, trust me. So my dad, he, he bails me out, PTA, whatever they did. It's like now um, almost midnight. I get out into the, he's waiting for me in the upper room, not Jesus, Acts chapter 2. I'm talking about like just the upper room of the police station. And, and he looks at me, and mind you, I just done, you know, called the cop every name in the book, lambasted the whole Milford PD. You know, we humiliated people downstairs, said some things that were just raunchy and wrong. I mean, we, <laughs> we couldn't go back to Smiles for like two years. They banned us. So anyways, we're upstairs, and I'm expecting my dad, you know, to give it to me, like just, you know, something. I get upstairs, and I almost had my head down. I'm just like, oh, God. Because you know how when Daddy comes, you just shut up? You were rowdy until, you were rowdy with mommy until daddy got home. And then you were just like, hey, daddy. 
they don't understand. It just, they, they, it was, they were wrong. Like, so I walk upstairs. I'm still mad. And my dad looks at me. We go outside. He, I'm getting in the car. And I turn to grab the door, and he sees this huge bruise on my face. And he hadn't said nothing to me yet except get in the car. And immediately, my father was on my side when he saw that I had gotten hurt. Immediately, all the wrong that I had done didn't matter because this child had gotten roughed up. Didn't matter if it was my fault. He was upset. He was upset that I had got a bruise from my temple to my chin. That's fearless love. Love that says no matter what you've done, I don't want to see you hurt. Maybe you haven't experienced that love. See, one day, see, y'all don't know my dad because many of you got here after him, but he built this entire thing up, man. I, I take no glory for this. I'm just reaping the harvest he sowed. And so my dad was wild. You see me wild? Times five, that's my dad. Uh, about a foot taller maybe and about 300 pounds on me. My dad was a big man. One day, I don't remember exactly who, me and my brother, we were at A&G Market. One of us got our bike stolen. I was about 12 years old. He was about 14. Somebody got our bike stolen by one of these dudes on a block. We went home. My dad was in his little, his little uh, pajama pants and a wife beater. Remember this day, bro? He's in a pajama pants and a wife beater. And we went home. We're like, yo, that dude took our bike, dad. We were crying. We were scared. We were hurt. This older dude, like 40-year-old crackhead, just took our bike. My dad was infuriated. He was like a bat out of hell, hopped back in his car. He threw me and Ruben in the back. We weren't going to do nothing. We were like 12 and 14. I was like four feet tall, nothing, you know, like 80 pounds. And he throws us in the car. And I'm sitting in the back seat of his little minivan because my dad always had a minivan. And I was shaking like a leaf. He's driving around the whole block looking for these dudes. And yes, my dad was a pastor. But somebody had messed with his kids. And he did not care. Somebody had woken up a sleeping giant. He grew up in Father Panic Village. He was born in New York. He didn't mess with this dude. And so, and so we, we, we ended up going on Poplar Street. We were looking for this guy. And the, I, I think Ruben was like, that's him. And he points out this guy. Remember this, Ruben? He's on a porch with like 10 other guys. And a bunch of kids, a bunch of mad people there. And my dad bust out the car. Didn't even care. He had little sandals on, that Puerto Rican, real big. And he said in his biggest voice, who took my boy's bike? Everybody pointed. <laughs> so there I was at that point. I think we opened the back door and we started mean mugging dudes. At first I was like, oh, we're going to get shot. My daddy going to die. But after he just like, he came with this fearless love that he just totally commanded the atmosphere of those 20 plus people and nobody said a word edgewise to him. Matter of fact, the guy came and apologized to me and my brother. I was just kidding. You just kidding? He said, took my son's bike, you kidding? That's not a joke. I had this picture of my father growing up and he was just like, don't get me wrong, if I was wrong, he popped me. But nobody else could pop me. Nobody in the hood could say something to me. Nobody in the neighborhood had the right to do anything to me. Because I have a father. I don't think, maybe, 
maybe you're missing my point. You know, for the, for the next seven weeks, or eight weeks rather, I want to look at just the entire chapter of Romans. Because I believe in the, in the chapter of Romans, I believe there's such a story of love inside that chapter. If you ever got a hold of God's love for you, man, your life would never be the same. Your life would be flipped, turned upside down. You would never have a down day in your life if you realize how much this God of yours loves you. He has this unexplainable, insurmountable, all-surpassing, fearless love. Like this fearless love. You are daddy's little girl, daddy's little boy. Man, listen, I remember when I was about six years old, my, my first memory of riding a bike, because I was too poor to have a bike when I was little. I didn't have training wheels. We couldn't even afford that. And I'm just kidding, guys. So I'm riding this bike in Bearsley, and I took a wrong turn. And I started heading down, down the, the hill where all the trees are at that leads to that little lake. It was probably two feet deep, but I would have drowned because I was like one foot tall. And I'm, I'm going down, down, down. And I'm like, no, daddy. My whole life flashed before my eyes all six months. I remember the doctor slapped me in the hospital when I was born. I remember when I got my first pneumonia. I remembered everything. It was horrible. You know, flashback of coming out of the womb. I go, ah. Just, and so I, I, I'm down there. I hit this tree head on. And all I see is my, like, 400-pound dad running down the hill. And I'm still on the bike. He picks up the whole bike and me on it, just like picks me up and walks me back up the hill. Man, I felt so uh, like safe in his arms at that point. He stood me up. He's like, you all right? I'm like, I'm fine. No broken bones. Like, no. But I'm scared. Just so you know. <laughs> you know how you are. You ever cried and didn't have a reason to cry? You ever got so mad you were crying? I'm not mad at you, man. I'm crying because I'm mad. It was one of those cries. And so... I have this picture of my father's fearless love for me. Romans 8, chapter 1. Romans 8, chapter 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, now there is no condemnation in those that are in Christ Jesus. Maybe that doesn't mean nothing much to you right now. But man, Paul is onto something here. Paul. He's writing this, uh, this, uh, the book of Romans. He's, he's the author. And in chapter 7, you know, I didn't read the first seven chapters today, but in chapter 7, he's dealing with the fact that Paul says in chapter 7, verse 21 to the end, he's talking about how, remember, ever heard that scripture, when I want to do right, I do wrong. And when I want to do wrong, you know, I can't figure out to do right. And every time I desire to do good, evil is right there with me. Every time I desire to do God's will, something is, at, you know, against me. And he says in verse 22, I feel this war inside of me, this law of the flesh against the law of the spirit. And he's talking about how he's wrestling with temptation. He's talking about how you and me, Paul was just like you and me. He, well, he didn't put his pants on because he wore a robe. But what I'm saying is he's like you and me that he sinned. Paul says in verse, in verse, I believe it's 25, oh, what a wretched man that I am. He talks about how horrible he is. Yes, Paul, the one who wrote most of the New Testament, Paul, he's talking about how horrible he is. And then he goes, but Christ Jesus, he saved me. He gave me grace and he redeemed me. So verse, verse 1 of chapter 8, therefore, it's a transitional word. He's saying, in light of everything, in light of all my struggles, in light of how much I sin, how many of you sin on a daily basis? He says, in light of all my sins, in light of all my shortcomings, regardless of all the things that I have wrong in me, there is no condemnation 
See, the Greek word for condemnation is katarima, and what it means, what it means is that there's no one who can give a bad verdict over your life. Maybe, maybe you didn't get that because some of you are used to people putting you down. Some of you are used to people giving you a permanent status over temporary emotions. Oh, that girl crazy. Oh, that guy's a whore. He sleeps around. This person that, this person this. They're giving you a temporary title, on, on, on a rather a permanent title based on a temporary part of your life. Is anybody here with me today? And so he says, listen, there is now, therefore, meaning in light of everything, therefore, as a consequence is therefore, therefore means as a result, because Christ died for me, there's no condemnation. There's no, there's no one that can, if I'm living in Christ, there's nobody that can say, sit there and tell me about my sins. When I'm fighting and I'm living the best life that I know how, I'm walking in the grace of God. He says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That word in has 34 definitions in Webster's Dictionary. Amongst many of them is to be in, it means to be at a place of power, to be on the inside, to be in the in crowd. He says, man, there's no condemnation for those who are in, in the seat of power because they have Christ Jesus. There is none None. No, no condemnation. You should be excited over the fact that there's no condemnation. This is the love of God. What does that have to do with love? This is a fearless God who loves you so tremendously that he offered a way that in light of your sin, that you would be seen as righteous and holy and no one could talk about you because he would cover you in love. He'll cover you with love and nobody can say nothing about you because there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 5 8 is the beautiful scripture. Paul writes and, and he says, but God, Romans 5 8, God commended his love. Not commanded, commended his love. That while you were yet still a sinner, Christ died for you. And maybe that doesn't seem like a lot to you. Maybe that doesn't seem like a lot because sometimes you can't really care about relatives who died before you were born. Sometimes you can't really care about great-great-grandma because you didn't know great-great-grandma. But Jesus isn't like a great-great-grandma. He's not some extended relative. He's not like you could read about him in the history books and have no emotion towards him. He's the son of the most high God. He's the son of the most high God. And God loved you so much that he laid down his son's life for you. And so the Bible says that God commanded, meaning God stood up in heaven and he commanded that his love show you how much and how great it was. That's what it means. He commanded that his love would come to you and rescue you and show you how much he loved you. Wow, you were still a sinner. Wow, you were still in sin. Wow, you were partying, drinking. Wow. You were sleeping around. Wow. You, wow, you were just a mess in your life. Wow. In spite of all your sins, wow, you were addicted to porn. Wow, you were sleeping around in the church. Wow, you have a, a, a problem with cursing. And wow, you have a lustful spirit. And wow, you chased the homosexual life. And wow, you had an evil, selfish spirit inside of you. And wow, all the while, God commanded his love 
to come down to you and say, man, in spite of all that, I love you. And I'm going to offer you a way out. If you think about God's love in reality, you don't even know the half of God's love. And the reason is because you don't let it come to you. Let go of what you think about yourself and see what God thinks about you. I wish you would live a week in your life just knowing that God's love is greater than your opinion of his love. Tell your neighbor right now, God loves you. That is fearless love. I remember when I started smoking cigarettes and my father, he said to me, listen, if God wanted you to smoke cigarettes, kid, he would have given you a chimney. At that point, I made the smoke come out my nose. He says, it's not funny. And my father loved me through it. You know, in many houses, a parent would have got really self-righteous. You're going to smoke in my house. You're going to leave. Not my dad. No, 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 no. He said, come on in. Don't, don't smoke in the house. Don't smoke in front of the house. But if you got to hide in back, I'll cover you. I'm not telling you to smoke, kid. It's really bad for you. But if you're going to do it, don't do it in the portrait. Everyone can see you. Because the neighborhood knows who I am. He covered me with some great love. I remember when I used to come home high which was often. I was, I'm at one, one particular night, I walked upstairs, and Ruben went to his room. I went to, for some reason, I went to my dad's room, knocked on the door, and my dad opened the door and all that stuff. My eyes aren't red. At that point, Ruben's in his bedroom, just like, he heard me, he's dying laughing, and all my dad said, what you doing, smoking your dinner again? Yeah, I smoked my dinner, dad, sorry. Go to your room, go to sleep, sleep it off. He could have got self-righteous, kicked me out the house. He could have said, not in my house, you know. <laughs> he could have said a thousand and one things. But yet what he chose to do was to love me. Maybe you're not getting this because I understand that some of you didn't grow up with a father. But let me tell you, the memories I have of my dad are some of the greatest in the world. He was the greatest in the world. I mean, that's the way every kid should see their father. And if you don't, you know, I'm really sorry for you because you don't know what you missed. And maybe it's not your fault that you missed it because he walked out on you. But, man, maybe that's why you don't want to trust God because you feel God's going to walk out on you. But God will never, ever walk out on you. He loves you fearlessly. He loves you without question. He loves you regardless of anything you've done. I need you to just wrap this in your mind today. God loves me with an amazing, fearless love. My father had a way of covering my life with love. When I would sin, I would mess up, he would just love me. While all the folks were, you know, kicking kids out of the house, my, my father said, no, there's always room for you in my house. You look at the story of the prodigal son and the way even Jesus explained it. When the son came back after sinning, did Jesus say the father kicked him out? Why are we kicking out our kids? Why are we tossing our kids? Think about, why are you tossing your kids to the streets? Because they don't listen, or they don't this, or they don't that. And they end up worse, feeling more abandoned, more hurt. First, their father left them, now mom kicked me out. Or mom left me and dad kicked me out. Jesus said that the prodigal son's father, he welcomed him with open arms. 
did not care what he had done, who he had slept with, what he had drank, what he had smoked. He just said, man, you're home. My son who was lost is now found. And I'm so happy. And he threw a big party. Most of you, when your kids come back home, you give them a rule book. We're going to try this again. This is what's going to happen. No, Jesus said the father took him back with love. That's fearless love from God. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Some of you might have a King James Bible, and it says there, who walked not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you see that, you could just take and cross that out. Back in the early, early, early years of the church in 100 and something AD, when they made the Bible, the King James translators, actually, they added that part in. The original text, and I read it last night in Greek on my little computer, it says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But some people didn't like the fact that Paul was full of grace, so they added to the scripture. They added a requirement if you walk after this, if you do that. No, the original text, the original Greek, it just says there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. Bottom line, it's not about your works. It's not about your conduct. It's about where you stand in God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your forgiveness and righteousness is not based on how you act. Now, I don't mean just to tell you to act crazy. That's not what I'm saying. But there's nothing you can do to be more forgiven than you are right now. You know, I love John 3.16. Most of you know that scripture as a scripture that says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that any who believe in him would have everlasting life. They would not perish. You all know that scripture? I like it from the Amplified Bible. My, my, my uncle Jose, Minister Jose, he read it to me one day. I fell in love with it. It says, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, and relies on him, he shall not perish, he shall not come to destruction, and they shall never be lost, but they will have eternal, everlasting life that right there is ferocious love John the apostle nailed it when he quoted Jesus in that perspective and he says if you cling and rely on Jesus no destruction can come your way I don't know if you realize this I was at a diner the other night maybe you saw my Facebook post somebody keyed my car I know exactly who it was and I don't even care I had just gotten a quote to get my car painted they just gave me the money to do it Call my insurance. Yeah, we'll come out on Monday or Tuesday, take a look at it. Done. I could have gone out there, could have gone to their house and started getting wild. I'm capable, trust me. But why? You're forgiven. That's fine. I'm going to trust in God and no destruction can come my way because God loves me. I, I want you to grasp this in your mind. If God accepts you, who can reject you? If God accepts you as you are, what? Who can reject you? Who? He who made it all accepts you. Is anybody here with me today? Yeah. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The biggest word in that sentence is not condemnation. It is the word now. The word now is the biggest word in that sentence. And the reason is because there was a place and a time where you could be condemned. There was a time in your life where you could have condemnation over you. And it was the time you did not have Christ in your life. 
It was that time when you were living in sin ignorantly and you could be condemned by the law. But let, yet the Bible says that those who come in Christ Jesus are under the grace of God. And so now there is no condemnation before there was. See, the problem is that you're used to the past. You're used to feeling down about your sin. You're used to knowing. Have you ever been to a place in your life where you were outside of God's will? You weren't serving God. You weren't under his law. But you knew you were in sin and you did something and you felt bad. That's condemnation. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit that says, you know what, that's wrong. But when you come in Christ Jesus, you still get conviction but no condemnation because the price has been paid in full of everything you're going to do, both past, present, and future. And God's amazing love of a father, a ferocious father, he's resting over you and no one can throw an insult your way. When I, when I was a kid riding a bike and I fell, my, and I, and I, you know, I, I, I fell down, my dad didn't say, you're a dumb kid. What an idiot. <laughs> get up, you moron. No, he would run to my side and be like, come on, get up. Let me do it again. You, you just missed that. You just missed it. You just missed that. It's all, it's all right. There's more to come. Get the CD podcast, whatever you want. When I was learning to walk, I, mean, I don't remember having much memory of it, but I doubt that when I fell down, I mean, my dad wasn't like, what a retard. Kid can't even walk. Who does that? I mean, could you, could you imagine if I fell and got hurt? My dad would just leave me there. Hurting, broken something, leg, arm, something. When I was a kid, I cracked my head three or four times. That's probably why I am the way I am, but my father would have rushed me to the hospital. Because that's what a loving parent does. Could you imagine, parents, if your child, as a baby, walked up and touched the hot stove and burned their little hands? I mean, you were holding them, they just reached down and touched that stove while you're cooking. Are you going to sit that baby on the couch to cry and say, that's what you deserve? You touched it. But why is that the opinion of God that you have? The God you serve says, come on, it's going to be all right. Call up in my arms. Let me love you. Let me take care of that wound. Let me take care of that. That's the kind of God you serve. You don't serve a God that just says, Toma, like you earned it. You bought that. No, 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 no. He loves you. I want you to really think about this today as we start this series. Man, God fearlessly loves me. And there's a reason it's fearless. I'll get to that in a minute. Somebody say amen. This God, God love that we have over us, it's a fearless kind of love that God has. Truth be told, no one could ever love you more than God. I know you hear that. I know a lot of times we hear that we have an experience that no one can love you more than God. I promise you with all my heart, no one can love you more than God. The Bible says this, as a matter of fact, in John 15, I believe it's John 15, 13, greater love knows no man than that he would lay down his life for his friends. Greater love does not exist. Greater love does not exist than that he would lay down his life for his friends. Christ laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for his friends so that they could become brothers and sisters. He laid down his life for you. Greater love does not exist in this life or the next. 
that love of God is greater than anything. Think about all that he has done to sweep you off your feet. He sent his son down. He laid his life down just so he could spend eternity with you. He overlooks all your wrongdoings. He forgives all your sins. He holds you in the palm of his hands. He ravishes you with love. Like that song says, your love has ravished my heart. And all it does, it pulls me closer. It pulls me closer. Romans 5, 8 says that he commanded his love to go towards us. He didn't say, I I commend my love to be shown to those who deserve it, because none of us did. The problem is that we don't know how to live love. Romans 8, verse 2. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit is grace. The law of sin and death is a reference to the Mosaic law and also the spiritual principle that the wages of sin is death. For what the law was powerless to do, what was it powerless to do? It was powerless to make us holy. It was weakened by the flesh. So let's check this out. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He wasn't sin. Jesus came in flesh. He looked like just like you and me, but there was something different, and that was that he had no sin. And it says this. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, meaning in the body of Jesus, God condemned sin. Verse 4, in order, why did he do it? In order that righteousness, or rather the righteous requirement of the law might be met in you. He did it so that everything that you would need to be right before God would be done. Who do not live according to the flesh, but to the spirit. Are you with me today? Why did Christ die for you? He did it so that in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in you. He did it so that you would have a a chance to live a life of fearless love with God. Jesus did not die hanging on a cross so you could leave him hanging. He died so you would accept him into your life. Not that you would live a double life. Not that you would live your life and thank God in the morning for the blessings, but never really have a relationship with him. That's not what he desired. In the end, Jesus faced death for the way you would live life. He was put on a cross and held high with all the world to see him dying, beaten, bleeding, battered, humiliated. He died a horrible death in a public place while somebody here live a sinful life in a private place. He paid the highest price while some of us, we live the lowest life. God made himself vulnerable for you. God knew so many would reject him, but he made himself vulnerable to you. What does that look like? Come on, just turn the lights down for me. We're going to close this out right here. Just keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. Come on, let's focus on the presence of God right now. The Bible says that while you were still a sinner, he died for you. You know, a little over a year and a half ago, I proposed to my wife. It was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. I'm surrounded by family. I'm surrounded by people who love me. I'm in a packed, jam-packed restaurant, cracking jokes with her. I get down on one knee. I bust out a ring, put my best pimp smile on. And I said, girl, you know I love you, boo. I didn't say it like that, but I was like, you know, I love you with all my heart. You're the one that God has for me, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? At that moment, 
was the most vulnerable moment in my life. She had the opportunity to be like, no, I'm good. She had the opportunity to be like, um, I think I'll wait a little longer. She could have just ran. She could have done whatever you, <laughs> she could have done a lot of things. But she stood there and she like just tears in her eyes and she said, yes, 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 I love you. Little star goes, ah! That's not what I'm getting at. The point I'm getting at is I was vulnerable on my knees. I was vulnerable. And she had the opportunity to reject what I offered her. And that's the beauty of life, and that's the greatest part of the gospel. But it's also the saddest part of the gospel. You have the opportunity to reject what God has tried to give you all along. Can I tell you something crazy? Don't take this the wrong way, honey, but ain't nobody going to be able to offer her a better life than I can. Because that's the purpose God gave me, to provide for my wife and to offer her a good life. I knew there was kind of like no way she would say no, but then I knew that she could say no, so it was scary. Any guy who's done it, you know. Some of y'all been rejected. That's cool. I mean, it happens. That's all right. Some of you girls done rejected a guy. Like, no, nah, I'm good. But I knew that God had told me, this is the woman I have for you. I want you to marry her and provide for her all the days of her life until she's old, wrinkled, and everything else. And I followed God's will, and I put myself in a vulnerable position. And I think that um, that's the position God's in, in a sense that he's waiting for you to accept his proposal of love. And so many of us reject it on a daily basis with the assumption that we've accepted it, but yet we don't feel loved, we don't live loved, we don't feel righteous, we don't feel condemnation-free, we still feel like people talk about us, we still worry about so many things. Man, I want to tell you today that the king of all the universe is attacking you with fearless, insurmountable love. Like, I had to really work up my nerve to be down on one knee and asking someone to marry me. I was so nervous. I'm like, oh, my God, what if she says no? This is horrible. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. But I just hyped myself up. I was like, Virgos, you got this. You're the man. You have green eyes. She can't say no. That was a joke, but it's cool. And I worked my courage up to get on one knee. And she was like, get up. What are you doing? Stop. She thought I was kidding because I'm always acting up. But yet in that moment, I showed her. I, I laid all my cards on the table. I said, this, I mean, this is what it is, girl. <laughs> Just like that. I mean, I love you. And a little over 2,000 years ago, God, he laid all his cards on the table. And he proposed that you would spend the rest of your life with him, madly in love. He would provide all of your needs. He would take care of your entire family. When it looked bad, it was going to be great because everything's better with Jesus. That's why scripture says, listen, when you suffer, consider it pure joy because everything's better with Jesus. He said, listen, I'm proposing that we get together, we do something. I think that we can have a great life together. He said, matter of fact, I know we can. I can take you, clean you up. He found, he, he found you at your worst and proposed to you. He found you at your lowest point and proposed to you. 
He didn't propose to the new improved you. He didn't impose, propose to church you, all dressed up, got it all together, think you do. He proposed to the mess of who you were. He proposed to you while you were sleeping around and doing all the things you were doing. He proposed to you while you were full of sin, while you were a mess in your life. And he says, listen, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, and I love you with all of my heart. And if you would give me a chance, I would radically change your life. You would never be the same. You would never be happier than I can make you right now. Because you know what? I love you with the everlasting, fearless love. And nothing you can do can make you love you less. If you would just let me love you, I'm telling you, I've got a fearless love for you. He didn't get on a knee. He hopped on a cross to propose to you. He didn't give you a ring. He just showed you the, the nail marks in his hands and said, look, I got it for you. I think that if a church who understood God's love would raise up in this city, man, things would be different. You wouldn't we wouldn't walk around with that chip on our shoulder with that nasty attitude because you know what? Nothing you could do could upset me as long as I know my wife got my back. That's love. Say what you want about me. So what? I gained weight. So what? I don't do what you want. So I don't act how you want. My wife loved me. And that's all that matters. That's why she's standing. See? She got my back. If you could find that kind of love with God, ain't nothing Satan could throw at you or bother you. No problem in your life. No issue in your home, in your marriage, with your kids, on your job, in your finances. Matter of fact, most of you have those issues because you don't have that love. I'm talking about, I'm proposing today that you live the rest of your life loved. In the midst of God's ferocious, fearless love that ravishes people, that sweeps you off your feet. And there's nothing, I mean, he proposed that he would just bless you. Proposes that he would save you. Proposes he would give you a get out of jail free card for all the wrongdoing you've ever done. Come on, would you stand with me this early afternoon? I know we ran a little long because we had our dedication. Just a few more minutes here, come on. Come on, heads bowed, heads bowed, heads bowed. Usually I ask you, don't come to the front. You can do it right there, but then. When I, when I asked my wife to marry me, she had to say something. She had to actually take a step to put her hand out. I want you, if you're saying, God, I want this love that you propose of. I want this love. Would you, would you just make your way right now to the front? You're saying, man, I want to live love. If that's you and you're saying, you know, pastor, I want to live love. Come on, come to the front right now. If you're saying, I want to live love. I don't want to live I want to accept his proposal. I want to accept God. I want to be madly in love with the king of all creation. Come on, that's right. Don't worry about nobody else. Come on, just bow your heads. Don't worry about nobody around you. If you're saying that's me, pastor, you're just walking to the front. Because although he's proposing to them, he's really proposing to you. It don't matter what nobody else around you thinks. It don't matter what nobody says about you. You came up here 10 times, 100 times. You might have come up here every Sunday. He's just asking you, can I love you today? Can I love you right now with that fearless, insurmountable, insurpassable, never ending, never changing? You can never lessen it. You can never greaten it. You can never make it worth more. God just loves you. God just loves you. Come on. Is there anybody else? Come on, I'll give you a minute. 
And somebody might say, you know what, I want that love. I'm tired. I'm tired of my life the way it is. I'm tired of feeling like I have to live up to a code or do something this way or that way. I just want to be loved. Maybe you missed the love of a father and you're saying, Pastor, that can't be real. That can't be true. There's no way that he can love me like that. I'm telling you, I've experienced it in my own life. My father had the love of Jesus in him so deep. And everything he did radiated with love. Everything he did was transformed by love. Come on. Do you want that love today? Come on. If you're in your seat, just bow your heads. Don't look around. See that? No one's looking at you now. Just come on to the front. You're saying, you know, that's me. That's me. I, I, I just want that love. I want that love. I want that love that he offers. If you're at this altar right now, I want you to begin to talk to him. You know, say, Lord, I've been hurt. I've been done wrong. Some things in my life, I've had a horrible past. I've been molested. I've been hurt. I've been abandoned by men, abandoned by my father. I was abandoned by my mother. I have all types of emotional issues, emotional scars. I have all types of, uh, of messed up mentalities. But man, I want a relationship with you more than I've ever wanted anything in this world. And I'm asking you right now that you begin to overlook everything because I know you will. I know you don't care how crazy I am. I know you don't care how messed up I am. <coughs> Come on, that's right. Just talk to him. I could lead you in a prayer, but let me tell you something. When I propose to my wife, nobody else can say yes but her. God's already proposed. You talk to him right now and say, I'm accepting it. And I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to walk after your heart. Come on, can we lift our hands if you're accepting that love right now? Come on, lives are being changed right now at this altar. There's nothing special about this altar. It's just a place where people can make their peace with God. Come on, come on, lift them hands, lift them hands. Ministers, pastors, you can pray for people as you feel directed by the Lord. Come on, just lift your hands if you're in your seat and you know the Lord is your Savior. And you're, you're in love with God. You're in love with your Savior. At one, there was a day, where you, this was you at that altar. There was a day where you were the one standing here in need of a prayer. This was a day in your life. Come on, is anybody saying, I've got issues. I need to make my peace with the Lord. I need him right now more than ever. Father, we thank you for your presence here right now. God, we're accepting your love. I want you to tell them that right now. I'm accepting your love. I'm accepting it. I'm accepting it. I feel the Lord just wrapping somebody in his arms right now. I feel the Lord just saying, I want to wrap you in my arms. Little boy, little girl, I want to wrap you in my arms. Young man, young girl, I want to just wrap you in my arms. I want to wrap you right now. Lord, uh, he's saying, man, listen, I don't care what's happened to your life. Young lady, I don't care what you've done. Young man, I don't care where you've been. I can love you like no one can. Just wrap us in your arms, Lord God. Son, wrap me, Lord. Wrap me, Lord. Wrap me, God. I dare you right now to accept that love. 
Maybe you weren't brave enough to walk up here, but just accept that love right now. If that's you, you're saying, I accept it. We're lifting our hands. We're saying, you know, I accept this love. Maybe you don't even know how to accept a fearless love like this. Maybe you feel like you don't deserve it, but that's all right. I don't deserve a lot of things, but God has given it to me because he loves me. Tell them. Wrap me in your arms. That's right, that's right, church. Come on, just tell them. Wrap me in your arms, Lord God, right now. Wrap me in your arms. I want to feel your love. Wrap me in your arms. Take away my emotional scars. Wrap me in your arms. Take away my pain right now. Wrap me in your arms, Jesus. Wrap me in your arms. Come on, lift it up. Tell them. Wrap me your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Come on, wrap me, Lord. Just tell him from your heart, just wrap me. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Come on, just take that moment, just tell him, Lord, just wrap me. Wrap me in your arms. I want it, Lord. Wrap me in your arms. I want it, Lord. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your loving arms, Jesus. Somebody tell them. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Wrap me in your arms. Tell there's safety in your arms. 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 Come on, if you know that today, declare it in your voice. Tell there's safety. There is safety. There's safety in your arms. I'm safe with you. There's safety in your arms. I'm safe with you, Lord. There's safety in your arms.
God. There's a host of people in front of us, God, who are saying, you know what? I need your awesome, amazing love. I want to experience the love that we're talking about today. God, I'm to let you experience rest in this house right now, God. Holy Spirit, rest in this house right now. Let your love just come over us. Let your love come over us. Abrázame, Señor, con tus brazos de amor. Let your love come over us, God. Abrázame, Señor. Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, we thank you for this time in your presence. We thank you for this time in your presence right now, Holy Spirit. Father, we magnify you above all things in this place. We walked up to this altar, Father, professing that we want our love for you. God, it was a step of faith that we're collectively saying, yes, Lord, we want that love. Yes, Lord, we want to experience this amazing love. We want to experience this amazing love. Come on, just bow your heads right now. I just feel... Let of the Lord right now to ask this question. Is there anyone who does not know Christ as your Savior and you want to know him right now? Would you just right where you're standing just shoot your hand up? We want to say a prayer with you. Come on, thank you. I got one, I got two, thank you. Three. You're saying, I don't know Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come on, just bow our heads. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to ask you into my heart. I want to tell you you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I thank you for your forgiveness of all my sin. And I ask you now that you would guide me and that you would walk with me as I walk with you. And that you would protect me all the days of my life. I accept your love. I accept your sacrifice. And I profess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Come on, that's worth celebrating right there. Come on, that's worth celebrating right there. Come on, you. Say a last prayer. We'll dismiss. I have the worship team just... Keep on worshiping. If you want to leave, that's it. You go right on ahead. They're going to worship for just a few more minutes. Right where you stand, the Heavenly Father, give us traveling graces as we go home. We love you with everything in us, God. We want to love you the way you love us and give you the best return on your sacrifice on Calvary. Lord, it is our desire. It is our firm desire to see your city, God. We're changed by love, God. And we ask you to start that profession of love right in us. We want to live loved, Lord Jesus. We want to live loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, God bless you guys. Surround me with your love.